I've been on 32 cruises now, which I, okay, I know it sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds insane. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And today we are really excited to have with us Emma from the UK, who runs the blog called Cruising Isn't Just for Old People. And I should stop and say that is an award-winning blog. And Emma also runs a vlog channel on YouTube called Emma Cruises. And so Emma is an extensive cruise commentator and cruiser herself. And we are really excited to have Emma on the show this week. Welcome, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. Um, a silly website name, I do admit, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a great website name and we agree with the statement. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of too late now, so I'm sticking with it at this point, but I do appreciate it's a bit strange and it's very long. It works. It says what it does. That's what I'm about. So sticking with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, Emma, normally we start our guests off with their Disney background. I know you haven't cruised on Disney Cruise Line, but have you been to Disney or the Disney parks at all? So the only Disney I've been to is the Disney in Hong Kong, which I know is very strange because I'm I'm pretty close to Disneyland Paris, but I've never been there. I've never been to the American one, but I've been to Hong Kong for some reason. That's where my parents chose to take me when I was eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. It's so cool. The strangest place in the world. I don't know if you've done much traveling in Asia and just everything about everything. Even if you just get a drink from a vending machine or you just you get a snack, everything is just interesting. And it's Disney at the same time. So it was it was so cool. Oh, cool. We have not been to any of the, the Asian parks. So we would love to go someday. But we have acquired. So the Asian parks are famous because their popcorn buckets are some of the most unique popcorn buckets in the Disney system. And so, oh, really? yeah, they have got really fun themed popcorn buckets. And so I've, I've ordered several on eBay for our collection. <laughs> but yeah, oh. I didn't know that where I went, but yeah. <laughs> well, Emma, I, I wanted to start off before you dive into, I, I want to learn more about your blog, but before we dive into the blog, I think it'd be helpful for people to understand kind of just your cruising background. And so I'm curious, when did you start cruising Like, and what was your first cruise? Okay. So my first cruise, I was 11. So I've been cruising my whole childhood, teenage years and now by myself. My first cruise with was with Norwegian and we did we did a big family group trip. So my gran paid for me and my cousins and aunties and uncles to go on this big trip together. Some some obscure relative who I never knew died and left my gran some money and she thought this is what I'm gonna do with it. So we had thirteen of us on my first ever cruise. Oh wow. My parents have said to me, you know, if it wasn't for that, they probably never would have taken me on a cruise. It wasn't the thing that they were thinking about. It was just my grand's idea for us to do this. And from 11, I just loved it. It was so much fun because Norwegian are very relaxed and freestyle. So I kind of thought that's what cruising was like because as a child and a teenager, I only really did that freestyle cruising. So it was kind of when I became an adult and I said to my friends like, oh, we should go on a cruise. And I heard some of these things back from them about, you know, it's too stuffy. It's formal. It's all of this stuff. And I was thinking, that is nothing. That's nothing like any cruise I've ever been on before. And people have such outdated views of cruising, which is kind of why I started all of this stuff, because I think I started at the other end with the really flexible, no dress codes running around. I was a child having the time of my life. And I wanted just to put that across, I think. So I've been cruising uh, as long as I can remember, really. 11. 
Had your parents cruised before, before that first cruise that you went on? No, that was their first cruise as well. And then I'm quite at a good age now because I'm 26. So my parents still want me to go on trips with them. So I still go, but also I go with my friends and I go with my boyfriend. So I feel like I'm in the perfect space right now. Yeah, you get the, probably some extra cruises from going with them and, and then the, the ones you can go on yourself with friends. Yeah, because my little brother's still at home. So if they want to go on a cruise, there'll be three of them. So there might as well four of them when it comes to booking a cruise. So I normally come. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So how many cruises have you been on now, Emma? I've been on 32 cruises now, which I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds insane. But I cruised kind of every, you know, other year, maybe when I was a teenager, when I was growing up. And then it's just because of this blog and YouTube channel and stuff that in the last last year, I did 10 cruises in a year. So I've really kind of exponentially increased that. And I thought 2020 was going to be even better. But so far, I, I don't know if I'll get on a cruise this year. But yeah, 32, if we're counting kind of, there's a couple of river cruises in there. And there's kind of media, media press. As long as I've sailed for a night, I'm counting that as a cruise. Mm-hmm. So 32. If you think that number sounds insane, we have a friend who's been on over 70 Disney cruises alone. So I think uh, it's over 60, not 70. He's got to be. It's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, How many how many ships have you been on, Emma? Oh, that's a great question. I've only been on two ships twice. So probably something like 30 ships. Wow. So good variety then. Yeah. And which cruise lines have you sailed? So I've sailed with Norwegian, Royal, Celebrity, Princess, MSC, Costa, Viking, Celestial, a couple of river lines. So I've got quite a good variety there from doing really cheap Costa cruises that cost, you know, less than $50 a night all the way up to Viking, Viking Ocean cruises, which cost, I don't know, $500 a night. More, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I've got quite a lot of range in there, but I, I'll try anything once, I think. And if I see a cheap cruise on a certain cruise line, I just go for it and then, you you know, try it once and then don't have to do it again. But so far, I've not found any that I wouldn't do again. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've done ocean cruising and river cruising. We had a guest on recently who had done barge cruising. Have you done any of that? No, I haven't. I've been to a couple of river conferences where I've seen these barge ships. I think it would be it would be very fun to kind of rent one out for a weekend or something, wouldn't it? Yeah, and they sound like they're really tiny. You think kind of a barge, but that really, really quite nice. I would do. Yeah, I'll try anything. They sound really cool. I mean, sound. I mean, tiny just in number of guests, but they, they sound yeah. like a really cool experience because you really take over the the ship versus cruising with a bunch of people you might not know. They remind me of the luxury train market that's kind of emerged where you can get like a sleeper, like a, a like a hotel in a train car going, you know, on the Orient Express or yeah. something. Yeah. What what itineraries or what kinds of itineraries have you done? So I've cruised mostly in Europe, I would say. I've also done Caribbean cruises, Alaska, Hawaii. And I did this cruise in Asia, which was hands down the best cruise I've ever been on. And apart from that, I've kind of done quite a lot of Mediterranean cruises because it's very easy for me. I can fly in two hours and be in Spain, something like that. I've done kind of Northern Europe cruises where it rains all the time and it's winter, but it's cheap. So I'm going on those cruises, (laughs) Canary Islands, Baltics, quite, quite a lot, I think. Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) well that's a yeah that's a lot the only thing i didn't hear in there was panama canal no i haven't yet that's that's a bucket list for me panama canal oh or in transatlantic yeah i would like to do a transatlantic but i i do get quite seasick for someone who's been on all of these cruises i do (laughs) 
music and I think it's just with time off work I wouldn't want to just sail across and then come back I'd want to I think I'd, I'd like to like fly to New York spend a week there then sail back so I don't have to deal with the jet lag like we want to do the same but we want to do it to London and then sail yeah. back to the east Coast. London is one of our favorite places to visit so and you're pretty close to the I, I think you're pretty close to the port of Southampton and not too far from Dover do you do much sailing out of the UK itself or it sounds like you also fly over to the Mediterranean yeah I have done I've done a few Norway Norwegian cruises from here. I think I'm going to be looking more in the future to doing cruises from here because I think it's just going to be much easier in at least the, the next year or so. So I have booked a two-week cruise for next January, which is from Southampton, and it goes down to the Canary Islands, so Tenerife and places like that, which will oh, be really cool. nice. Yeah. The thing is, the weather here, if you do cruise from Southampton, uh, <laughs> That's the thing that kind of puts me off. It's just it can rain even if you pick the best week of summer. It can still be cold and rainy and drizzly. So I think because I am so close to if I want to do a Mediterranean cruise, it's it's literally two hours on a plane. It's so easy that it's kind of like I might as well do that. But I think going forward, I'm going to be looking at cruising from here because it must be easier. But yeah, I have have done one cruise from Dover, but it went nowhere. It literally went into the ocean and then it came back. So <laughs> we're in Seattle, so we can appreciate the uh, it can be rainy <laughs> and drizzly and cold any time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> the only respite we get is usually actually after this weekend, after we're recording this for our listeners are recording this on July 4th weekend. And usually in Seattle after July 4th, it stays sunny for maybe 60, 60 to 90 days at yeah. the most. Yeah. So. Two months, I would say. I, I wouldn't say 90 days. I'd say 60. <laughs> 60 is we get a really nice July and August. And then in September, it goes back to however it was before. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's it's clear, Emma, you started cruising early. You've cruised a lot. You've cruised a lot of different lines, a lot of different itineraries. So where, where did that passion come from? Was it just the first time you were on a ship? You were like, I love this? Or where did you find the passion for cruising? So I think for me, cruising as a child, it was the most fun thing in the world because my parents would want to go to the sit down restaurant and I would find that very boring. And I'd meet new friends in the kids club and we go to the buffet and we get pizza. And it was the most freeing thing in the entire world just to be. I mean, I still get the same feeling now when you step on a ship and it's so huge. There's so much to do. There's so much to explore. And I think the thing about cruising for me now is I want to travel and I want to see lots of different countries. But cruising just makes it so much easier. If I was to do, you know, I did a Mediterranean cruise that visited five countries in seven days. If I was to try and do that on land with trains and it, it would just be absolutely horrible. So I think for me now, it's more about I want to travel and it makes it very, very easy. But as a child, it was just so exciting. Still is. I think that's a good point, though, for kids and families with kids. I mean, the kids get a lot more freedom on the ship from their parents than they would get probably out in their own communities, right? Like an 11-year-old, I'm not sure if I'd let an 11-year-old at home go a few blocks away to the shopping center and just go buy a piece of pizza themselves and and go shopping by themselves. But on a cruise ship, it's self-contained. And so there is, and there's, you know, staff all around you. And so it does feel a lot safer. So I think that's a good point. A lot of people People give their kids a lot more freedom and the kids really like that freedom. Yeah. I remember it made me feel so grown up just being able to be like, okay, mom and dad say you've got to meet here in an hour and then I'm just free for an hour. I can do whatever I like. It was, we mostly just ran up and down the stairs or... (laughs) 
and a hot tub we didn't really do anything crazy but it was just being able to do that by yourself it was so so much fun and I was with my cousins and my brother who were like a similar age to me so you mentioned Emma that you like to take the cruises as a way to sort of see new places and I'm curious just from I, I've heard different points of view over whether cruising is a good way to see new places right because you sort of pull into port you go on a shore excursion you're back on the ship and you leave so you're kind of you know you're kind of there for maybe eight hours ten hours some night sometimes you get to stay overnight sometimes not you know do, do you use these as a way to try a place out and then go back or do you really feel like you're getting that good experience in the in the ports to really understand what the place is about I think a bit of both because sometimes I'll go somewhere I'll love it I'll go back for the weekend that's mm-hmm. fine but it's other places that I visit on a cruise I would I would never do on land so I took a cruise which was from Singapore to Tokyo and if I was going to travel to Asia on land I wouldn't you know stop off in Vietnam for a day or Taiwan for a day so it kind of it's a way of being looked after which makes you feel a bit more at ease with visiting places that you you might never go to and it, yeah, it is a good introduction. Some places I have gone back to. Some some places I've I took a cruise to the port of Paris, which isn't anywhere near Paris. <laughs> it was actually cheaper. We came home and got the Eurostar train and stayed there for a weekend, and then came back, and that was cheaper than the excursion on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some cities where or cities where the port is so far away from the actual city that you're not probably really able to get a, a good flavor of the city. But I like your point that there's maybe other places a little off the beaten path, or you might not feel as comfortable or as safe visiting on your own. But when you're sort of cloaked in the cocoon of a cruise line and they've got excursions set up for you and and you're going to be in a group of people who are all like you on the who are also coming from the ship, you you feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more safe going to a place that you that you might not otherwise get a chance to discover. Yeah. I mean, compared to my friends who don't cruise, but travel, I go to places and they say to me, how on earth do you go there? You don't you don't speak Russian. And I'm like, it's fine. (laughs) You know, they're looking after me and it's just it just is another layer of I don't know it just it just makes things a bit easier yeah they're giving you a tour guide who speaks Russian you don't need to worry about it (laughs) yeah exactly so I've been to a couple of cruises that stop in St. Petersburg and you have the overnight and you have two days there and if you have two days in the port I mean that's as good as going away for a weekend somewhere and I think you do get to see it in two days I, I have been on cruises though I did one a Greek island cruise where we had two ports per day Oh wow. oh, wow. We would be in, it was a four night cruise and we visited like seven ports. We would get in in the morning, 8 a.m. till 11 a.m. would be this port, sail for an hour and then 12 till six would be somewhere else. That's hard to get any kind of taste of a place. But that was so good because the Greek islands are so close to each other. It was kind of just like an island hopping adventure. But normally you do have a full day and I think you can do quite a lot in a day. Yeah, it's it's funny because even on the Caribbean cruises, sometimes the islands are so close together. The ship is just like leaving a port, circling around for five hours and then sailing into the next one. And you're like, why couldn't we have stayed in the last port just like a little bit longer? And I'm curious, uh, because you've been on so many cruises and so many different itineraries, like when you're picking your cruise you want to go on, how much of it is the ship versus the itinerary for you? Like, do, do you have a balance there or, or does it shift depending on what you're looking to do? Probably for me, I'll look at a vague area that I want to go to. So I'll say I 
want to do a Baltic cruise vaguely, then I'll look at the cruise line and then I'll kind of, I'm okay with slightly different itineraries. So if there's somewhere I particularly want to go, honestly, to be honest with you, I'll probably still book for the ship rather than a specific place. Sometimes <laughs> I'll book just because I want to try a specific ship and that's where it is and I'll go there. But normally I have kind of a rough idea in mind and then I'll get a list of, oh, there's five cruise lines that are there. I'll pick that one and then I go where it goes. What have been some of your favorite cruises, Emma? So my ultimate favorite one ever was the Singapore to Tokyo cruise, just because it was everything about it was just so interesting and so different from being at home. Another one of my favorite cruises, I spent five nights on a Viking ocean cruise. And ever since then, nothing has compared to that. And it's been quite, <laughs> honestly, nothing has compared to that ship. It was absolutely amazing. We did a cruise which went up to the top of Norway in the middle of summer where they have 24 hours of sunlight a day. Oh, wow. It was called In Pursuit of the Midnight Sun, the itinerary I went on. <laughs> Oh, amazing. It was so bizarre. It was really strange speaking to the people who were there because they have 24 hours sunlight in summer and 24 hours darkness in winter. And you'd think they would prefer the sunshine. But speaking to everybody, they all say they prefer when it's dark and they have festivals and parties and stuff, special hospitals there where you can get daylight lamps and stuff because uh, it must be so strange. But I suppose if you grow up there, that's just how you think of the year. But it was amazing to be there. And you'd go, you know, to dinner, then to the theater, then come outside and it's bright as day. Really odd. I'm not surprised to hear about the Viking cruise because yeah. we keep hearing... We hear wonderful things about yeah, Viking. we keep hearing that they're just so amazing and luxurious that people just kind of, when they do one, they just kind of fall in love and, and want to go back again and again. If I had the money, then it would, it, uh, no question, I'd go on a Viking world cruise right now. Oh my it was goodness. Just, it was just things like in the bathroom, like the floor in the bathroom is underfloor heating. And it's just every little thing is just so luxurious and nice. And there's there's so many crew members per passenger. And you're never going to you know struggle for a seat or anything like that. Did you find the age demographic? You know, I know that I was going to ask as a, yeah. found, as a founder of cruising, is it just for old people? How right. was the age? So the, right. We know we understand that the more luxurious brand you go on or cruise line you go on, the age does start to skew you a lot older. Did you find that with your Viking cruise? Absolutely. Average age, maybe 85. <laughs> <laughs> but you still but you still loved it and you'd still go on a, a world cruise if you could afford it on them. Absolutely. If I had to make kind of any ship my home, which is kind of what you do for a world cruise, it would want to, it would be that one where I can drink drinks from the mini bar and you know do whatever I like. It would definitely be that. It's not it's not a live they don't have kind of Broadway shows in the theater or, you know, there's not big parties in the atrium and stuff like that, but it's just, everything is just such good quality. So it's kind of, it's worth it. Well, at, at, at average age of 85, you'd be the bell of the ball on the ship. So <laughs> <laughs> we were, <laughs> there was a, a venue and everything closed at night. At, I don't know, half 10 completely closed. We stayed up one night until about midnight. And, and by the end of the night, we were controlling the music and the lights <laughs> <laughs> we went to, or I went on a cruise like that with my parents at one point and they were probably in their mid fifties, to maybe late fifties. And they, Oh yeah. And this was when I think we were in law school. So you were just in your twenties. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were like, we feel old. And, and my dad literally made this comment as we were walking down the hall past an award hanging on the wall from the national geriatric association. It's, it's like, we are, we are not going back on this cruise line. Um, to go back to something you said in the beginning, how much you fell in love with kind of that freestyle cruising that wasn't, you know, sort of stuffy and rigid. What was Viking yeah. like in that regard? The thing I liked about it was that they 
they don't have any kind of specialty restaurants that cost extra so you can eat whatever you want it kind of is more formal i remember i i didn't get told off but i i wasn't dressed properly to go in the buffet one evening and i was like this is the buffet um, <laughs> they have a dress code for the buffet yeah i think my shoes wouldn't were not appropriate or something but the thing is is the room service is all free and it's better than you'd get in a main restaurant on most other cruises so if i didn't feel like going out i would just sit on my they're all balconies i'd sit on my balcony and have free room service i think so i think i get around that but yeah i'm not i'm not a big fan of set dining and and dress codes and that kind of stuff but I would do it for Viking. Disney goes way more casual and they have formal and semi-formal optional nights on the yeah. on the ships. And so we we like that because we, you know, sort of take it up a notch a little bit for dinner, get a little bit dressed up, but not have to wear, you know, a formal gown and suit kind of a thing. So I think I'm the same. I did I did do one cruise with Cunard, who are the the strictest dress code you'll ever find anywhere in the world. And that's actually why I started this website. I started it when I was on a Cunard cruise because I went from cruising with Norwegian to cruising with Cunard. And I sat there and I thought, what on earth is this? The dress code is ship white after six. And it's on formal nights, you can't, if you're a man, you can't take off your jacket. You can't take off your tie after six, ship wide. And that was so far from what I was used to. So I, I, I wrote something on there. It was like seven things I wish I knew before cruising with Cunard, just as you know, <laughs> was it would that, help some. Was that every night? Every night after six? Yes, but they they have informal nights, but an informal night is more formal than any formal night that you'll find on any other wow. cruise. So I think I think the difference is you you can take off your jacket on an informal night, <laughs> but you still have to wear a tie or something like that. It's in, it's it's kind of on a formal night. It's like a wedding dress or a prom dress, and then. Your best clothes are the informal versions. So you definitely can't go to the theatre like wearing jeans in the evening or anything like that. Is and you wouldn't you wouldn't dare because the Cunard cruisers they're there for a reason and they're there because they love that dress code. Yeah, yeah. So you basically have to be in your room if you don't want to be in compliance with the dress code, which that's kind of restricting considering how much you would have you know paid to go on one of those cruises. But I guess to your point, you try and know that information before you get on or before you book so that you don't book yourself on a, a cruise that has a dress code that you're you're not wanting to comply with. Yeah. I think that's exactly the thing. I think Sometimes I speak to people and they say, oh, I went on a cruise. I hated it. I'll never go again. And they, you know, took a Cunard cruise and and really they should have cruised with Carnival or something like that. I think it's just it's just research, but people don't realize how much variety there is. They think, oh, that's a nice cheap one. I'll do that. <laughs> but it's just completely wrong for them. So just trying to, I mean, you're doing the same thing as me, just trying to educate people so that the right people do the right cruises. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, Disney Cruise Line is not for everyone. I mean, I think it's for a pretty wide audience, but if you weren't a Disney fan and you were going to go on a cruise by yourself, yeah, you could have fun, but you'd have a lot more fun if you were a Disney fan and you might find more value in a Norwegian Cruise Line yeah, cruise. So. And to be honest, most 85 year olds are not going to like Disney cruises. It's, you know, they're, they're going to skew the demographic excuse younger, obviously families heavily, but even a lot of young people in their twenties and thirties, I would say, you know, who don't have kids, there's a ton on Disney as well. I think the way to say it is Disney Cruise Line caters primarily to young families, fans of Disney, regardless of age, right? Those are, those are its demographics because there, there, there are people think of the woman who was on our 11 night Southern Caribbean cruise who'd been on 80 plus Disney cruises, 
right? I mean, oh, that's true. She's a Disney fan. Yeah, that's true. She was probably in her seventies. Yeah. So I'm curious, who do you find has sort of the most interesting things going on right now in terms of the onboard kind of amenities or state rooms? Like, what have you seen out there that's been particularly interesting and innovative to you? Ooh, so in terms of kind of ships that I like and kind of what's happening on the ships, I haven't cruised on the big Royal Caribbean ships yet, which I think I really need to do. But it's kind of for me, I like a lot of what they're doing with the Norwegian cruise ships now. I'm not so much a fan of the, the go-karts. I went on Encore last year and although it's good in theory, it takes up a third of the ship. So I'm kind of thinking on the top deck, the, the first third is the haven. So it's the paid for extra area. Then there's a third that's free and then there's a third that's go-karts. So I'm kind of thinking, how are you going to squish everybody into a third on top of this ship. I do really like the Norwegian ships. I like it when they've got the the promenade with the restaurants and the bars outside. I really like that. I'm liking a lot of the MSC MSC cruise ships because they're very modern and sparkly and clean. And I am quite a fan of an MSC cruise. Again, definitely not for everybody. And I there's a few things I always say to people if they're going to take an MSC cruise, you have to be aware that there are going to be so many languages on board. And at least in Europe, people get on every day. So it's constantly embarkation day, which some people don't realize. And it's very confusing. I took some first-time cruisers on a cruise last year on an MSE cruise and they went to two master drills because they didn't realize that they didn't have to go again. <laughs> Why would they know? The announcements say, you know, everybody go to your master station. Uh, I know, obviously I did one yesterday. I don't need to go again, but they had no idea. So they went again. <laughs> See, they just need to incorporate like happy hour into the muster drill. Like, you know, everyone shows up for their muster drill every day, but they get a drink. <laughs> <laughs> but then everything closes, doesn't it? A muster drill. So it's a, it's a strange thing to be, everyone's doing a muster, but you already did one. So you're just kind of floating around for an hour, which is strange. But I really like those ships. And then I like, I like quite a lot of the British cruise lines that no one really seems to know about if you're not from Britain. Which yeah, which lines are which lines are those, Emma? So I'm a big fan of Morella. I don't know if you've heard of Morella. They've got a few old Royal Caribbean ships. So they've got Splendor of the Seas and Legend of the Seas, I think. But when you cruise on them, you would never ever know that they're so old. They're from 96, I think. But they've been redone so many times that they're honestly some of my favorite cruise ships. So for us here in the UK, Morella, they do all-inclusive cruising. So it's kind of all your drinks and gratuities are all included. Very British to have everything included in there. But (laughs) they're one of my favorite cruise lines. And they're not the biggest, most exciting ships. Obviously, they do all have secondhand ships. But it's just a really good experience on board. And I always say for people who are from the UK or people who are coming over here, over to Europe, because Morella don't really do much outside of Europe. But if you just want something that's very straightforward and simple, you pay for it and you're done. They're a really, really good option. Yeah, I think a lot of people really like this, the all-inclusive thing, because it's a lot easier to budget a cruise when you know that everything's included and you're not going to have all these add-ons. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of lines out there now moving to that sort of model. And certainly the luxury lines are already sort of at that model. But the, the kind of lower end lines that are not, it's really hard to know how to budget, you know, when you don't know if you're to pay more for the add on restaurants or for drinks or even soda and activities on the ship. You hear that a lot about Royal Caribbean and Carnival that start off not very expensive, but then when you add on all of the things you're spending on the ship, you can end up paying as much as you might pay for a more premium line. Sam would take a Morella cruise if you said two words, which is tea time. So yes, for the British cruise lines here, we've had a lot include gratuities recently. So P&O cruises are probably our biggest 
cruise line, the one with the Union Jack on the ship, as British as you can get, an afternoon tea and all of that stuff. They include gratuities now. If you book an MSC cruise in Europe, they include gratuities now for us from the UK. So I think the cruise lines are kind of getting the message that we don't like coming off with this bill that's as big as the cruise. Mm -hmm. Just tell me how much it's going to cost. I always pay the gratuities up front anyway. So just put them in there and I find it so much easier. But it's definitely, it's just, it's a difference between American and British cruising, really, because we don't, we don't really tip anybody in in real life. If you go to a restaurant, you might tip them a few pounds, but we don't tip people like pizza delivery guys and stuff, which always confuses when I come to America and I'm thinking like I have to have all of this cash we don't don't use cash I don't have any you know odd dollars for porters and stuff like that we just we just don't really do that so yeah it's a very different culture in that way I was gonna say I remember the first time we dined at a really fine dining restaurant in London and the bill came and there was like no tip line no like I wanted to give them more money and and Because it was, just, it was, just it was so, so great. It. it was such a great experience. We were great so used service. to service. Yeah. And, and they were very much like, you know, that's that's our job. That's what we get paid to do. If you leave here and you think it was just meh, then we didn't do our job. So I, it's, and, yeah. and to that point, when we even when we cruise and we pay our gratuities up front, we can't help ourselves. We have to we feel like we have to give, you know, uh, if, if we got really great service, we feel like we have to give, you know, extra tip in yeah. cash. Really bizarre to us. If I have friends and say we order a drink and they give the person a dollar like to me I'm like what are you what are you doing I've never done that before but to them they wouldn't they wouldn't dream of ordering a drink without giving them a dollar or something I don't know yeah I think we're just moving towards having things included because it's so much easier and I think we feel kind of cheated when uh, these extra charges come on because they can be so expensive if you're a family of four and you cruise for a week and then you're looking at hundreds and hundreds in just gratuities which leaves kind of a bad taste in your mouth for me anyway well, yeah. well, on the weekend that we celebrate our seditionist ways, I, uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a large, a large faction of the country that would be, you know, very happy if the queen would take us back at this point in time. So. <laughs> I want to make sure we get we spend some time talking about your blog and your channel, Emma. And so you, you mentioned that you you started it actually in response to being on a canard cruise. But what's the, what's the story of sort of the the origin of the blog? What what made you decide I want to get out there and educate people about cruising? It was literally when I was sat on that ship. I was talking to my brother. I just said, you know, I I don't even know what I said. I said something about oh this wasn't what I thought. I'm going to write it down. And he said to me, well, what are you going to call it then i'd never had a website or anything so i just said oh i don't know cruising isn't just for old people and cunard cruises are quite an older demographic so i think that's why that was in my my, my <laughs> thoughts at the time and i just started it as a joke i just thought it would be funny i never thought anybody would read it and i don't honestly i don't know how i got the motivation at the beginning to i spent years writing just to, to nobody nobody reading it and i don't know how i did that but i'm glad now that i did but it honestly was just it was just a joke. It's the worst name for a website because it's so, I can't even type it right. Now what I've done is if you type in emmacruises.com, it redirects because I can't even bother to type in my own website name. <laughs> it does say what it is. I don't think cruising is just for old people. I'm not saying it's not for old people. My gran is 93 and she's still cruising. She loves it. Awesome. So I just think cruising is for everybody and you just have to find the right line and the right destination for the right person. That was my thinking behind it. And I just kept at it for three years now. <laughs> I love it. it. It's it's fun. It's cheeky and it's true. <laughs> yeah. So it's 
It's perfect. What, what, well, I'm curious, what is, do, do you have a sense of what your, the demographic is that's reading your blog and watching your, you know, watching your YouTube videos and things? Is it, is it primarily younger cruisers who are looking into cruising or do you, do you find you have a pretty wide demographic? It, it depends really on my, my actual website is, is older, but that's because it's, it's people Googling, you know, what is the dress code for this? What is the dining for this? It's people, it's answering people's questions and more older people are searching those things. So they come to my website. In my group on Facebook and on my YouTube channel is much younger. If you head to places like Instagram, it looks as if everybody's in their 20s and 30s. But I think it just depends kind of, you know, who, who I'm speaking to, who is who is there. I will speak to anybody. So it's not as if my website only has people on it who are, you know, 40 or younger. We do have people of all kind of ages. And surprisingly, we have people kind of under 18. I'm kind of wondering what they're looking at, but fair enough. <laughs> I think yeah. that, but I think that's a good point you make about your, your website, your YouTube channel, your Instagram for the same information is presented on different platforms. So your audience is is pretty broad, but it's just how people access that information is probably different. That the younger demographic is probably accessing your information more on YouTube and on Instagram. And the older demographic is accessing that information more on your website. That makes sense. With with a website, it kind of becomes more just it's a commodity it's just an answer to a question it's reading mm-hmm. and i think more people my age and younger are on are on youtube and would prefer someone just to sit down and tell them something rather than having to read through all of this stuff so yeah it's just funny because um brian and i are in the 40 year old demographic yeah. young 40s and and we still probably are more likely to read the website than to watch the videos on youtube but that's just no, i watch the videos on youtube, YouTube yeah. i'm a youtube person now <laughs> yeah and yeah. i'm not and I'm not much of a, a YouTube watcher. It's our, like TV. Our kid is, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I love TV. So YouTube is like <laughs> my jam. Emma, I'm curious how how much work has this been over the years? You mentioned you've been doing this for two or three years now. Like you know, help me understand like how much work has this been for you over those two to three years? It seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean, so this is outside of my day job. Yeah, and I I spend more hours on it than my day job, without a shadow of a doubt. Every day before work, lunch break evening till I go to bed weekends but it's just what I want to do I wouldn't do it if I didn't like doing it I just I think I have a bit of a problem with not being productive it makes me sad if I'm doing nothing and I feel like if I'm creating something talking to people about things it just makes me feel happy so I, I is so much work it's an insane amount of work but it is worth it if I do it and how was it when you switched into vlogging it sounds like you started off online just blogging writing articles I would imagine the move into putting yourself on camera is a difficult one or could be a difficult one. How was that for you? It was terrifying. And if I look at my old videos, I look so scared. It's funny because I often do the same information on my website and I'll do the same kind of thing on YouTube. But the way that you have to, it is an art to be able to frame something and kind of structure it for different platforms, if that makes sense. Because on YouTube, everything has to be the seven bizarre, most best, exciting, this and that. And it has to be so fast or you'll lose people within about 10 seconds. And the way you... The way you speak on YouTube is not how you speak in real life. You have to be so over the top. You have to use these hand gestures. I'm using them now, even though you can't see me. Just (laughs) And at the beginning, I look so bored of my own videos because that's just how you speak in real life. But I think I've learned over the last few years how to portray myself as more, you know, it's information, but it also has to be exciting. No one's going to care about stuff I'm saying if I don't look like I care. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you have to sort of act act more, even more excited, sort of over the top than you uh, would in a real life conversation. Yeah, it, it is hard, but I really enjoy YouTube. I find it really good. But the thing is, is say I make a ten minute video, it maybe take me twenty minutes to film it, but the whole thing takes me about ten fifteen hours mm-hmm. because I've got. To it editing it takes so long finding the right b-roll clip of a banana and the right sound effect <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff but i like doing it so that's why i do it is it hard when you when you're doing a, a video and filming it you you don't have feedback immediately meaning you don't have like i think of somebody performing on a stage right and you have a live audience and you can sort of read how your audience is enjoying or not enjoying your performance is it hard to do that when you're doing it on film and you don't have that immediate feedback to know is my audience actually going to like this or not yeah sometimes it does it feels like you put a lot into something and then it's not until it's done and gone and released onto the internet that you have any idea if people like it or not so sometimes you can go kind of completely in the wrong direction for me now it's hard to be a cruise youtuber when cruising is closed and i haven't been on a cruise since Mm -hmm. January. So I'm kind of trying a lot of things at the moment, but you don't know until you've already invested a lot into it. But that said, I mean, I started with my website. And if you write something on a website, it's going to be six months before you know if it's ranking well on the internet and people are looking at it and liking it. So compared to that, waiting a few days for YouTube to kind of decide if it's good or not is is nothing. You just have to keep trying. You have to just keep throwing things out there. And at some point, something will go well and then try and do more of that. I think. Well, I know one of the hardest things that we dealt with, we've done very little vlogging at this point, but we're kind of pushing into it a little bit more now, was being in the setting and vlogging in real time, meaning, you know, being at a Disney park or at a restaurant at Disney. Is, is it like that for you on the ships? Because you do some things where you're recording, recording yourself on the ships. Do you find it? Do you, do you feel self-conscious or, you know, how is that? Yeah, I i don't think I'm ever going to be one of these people who walks through the middle of the ship talking to a camera. <laughs> when I do things like ship tours, I will record it and I'll voice over it later. I don't want people to look at me. I don't want to be the center of attention. But I don't think that you have to be. Most people are getting on with their own lives. If you're standing in the corner talking to a camera, they might they might think you're, you know, video calling a friend or most people don't really pay attention to each other. They just don't want to be, you know, in the foreground of your video. So as long as you, you give people space, maybe just go off slightly to a quieter area, a side street or something. I think it makes it a lot easier, but I don't think I'm ever going to be kind of a vlogging personality. But then it's nice to have the memories of things you filmed on cruises. So I'm going to keep filming them, but yeah, I don't think I can be that person. (laughs) (laughs) What's been the hardest part about it and the most rewarding part about it in terms of your your blog and your, your YouTube channel? Okay, so... I would say some of the really horrible comments will be some of the hardest no. the hardest things. Not so much for me now, but when you first get these mean comments, it's some of them are horrible. Some people say I'm the worst thing that happened to the entire world. I represent everything that's wrong with humanity. Oh, I'm thinking I'm here giving, you know, free information on the internet. I'm not I'm not that yeah. Um, but people will, they'll pick up on things that, you know, people call me fat all the time. And I'm thinking, oh God, like, I did a video about uh, Virgin and I said, this ship wouldn't be very good for people who are overweight. 
because mm-hmm. I found it a struggle and I'm like, I have a perfectly healthy weight for my height and mm-hmm. stuff. And I found myself getting stuck like in the chairs. And I had so many comments on there that were like, haha, not overweight. Look at your thighs. You. Yeah. Oh gosh, how awful. People will say things that they think will upset you. It doesn't bother me at all anymore. I think you've got to pity these people if that was the highlight of their mm-hmm. day going on. And telling me, you know, my accent is this or my accent is that. But that took some getting used to. That's quite hard. Mm-hmm. I find it quite hard with YouTube that you you have to be on a schedule. You can't really take a break. You have to be, you know, a face there all the time. So sometimes when I finish work, I can't be bothered, but I kind of feel like I have to sometimes. I have found it hard before on cruises where I've been I've been editing or I've been doing things that kind of stray into work at that point. And I have to kind of take a step back and be like, Emma, you don't have to update your Instagram story just because it's been two hours. It will be fine. <laughs> right. You are on vacation. It's OK to take a break. But no, I think yeah. that's a good point. That's a good point. But I think the, the Internet is just sort of the negative comments and that kind of feedback. I think you, you have to sort of develop a thick skin if you're going to enter into any of this space. Yeah, there's there's a lesson in there from a Disney movie. Ralph breaks the Internet. He, he at one point goes in to watch the comments on his videos and the woman comes in and says, oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't ever, ever look at the comments. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. I tried to kind of reply for the first day or so. I, I had I had a comment just yesterday and it said it started with Emma, you absolute idiot, which I thought was great. And then it, just, <laughs> it just goes on. It's like, Emma, you absolute idiot. Don't you know no one cares about coronavirus? And I'm oh like, my God. Uh, I think some people do. Yeah. <laughs> what about like, at least in the US, what about like the, the families of the over 100,000 people who've died? I think they care. Well, I, f- I find too in the comment sections, a lot of people then will dive in and defend, you know, others. So like, it's sort of like just, it's like, that's like the, uh, the mosh pit going on on the side, just to keep doing what you're doing and, and stay away. Yeah. 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 I, I I don't engage. If someone leaves something mean, I just hide them from my channel, which is fantastic because they think that they're still commenting (laughs) and they are. No one can see it, which is honestly the best way. I don't have to deal with it, but they don't know that they've been blocked so they don't get annoyed. It's fantastic. Oh, Um, I didn't know that existed. Yeah, it's brilliant. You just click on it and hide from channel. Then they think they're quite happily leaving stuff there, but no one will ever see it. Right, because they can still see their own comments. Interesting. Yeah. Which is 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 perfect, I think. So I don't want to annoy people by blocking them, and then they'll send me messages and stuff. But so that's probably one of the hardest things. But I'm getting better at it, I think. And then apart from that, just time management is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all worth it when I speak to people and I can kind of help people find the right cruise. And they come back and they said, you know, I watched your video. I booked this cruise. Me and my family had a fantastic time. We never would have thought of doing this and this and that if we hadn't seen your video and we got this for free because you mentioned this, stuff like that. And I'm that's what makes me really happy because I'm sat here thinking like, yes, I've not only just spread my love of cruising, but I, I'm quite a budget cruiser, quite a minimalistic cruiser. I, I don't pay for luggage if I don't have to. I can cruise with just like a carry-on bag. So when I get people to do stuff like that, and I've got a Facebook group, which is where I kind of like collect everybody because it's just a nice, easy place to have everyone. And we have kind of inside jokes and things and everyone knows me and knows my cat and stuff like that. And it's just so nice to have kind of a, a nice bit of the internet where I know everybody's nice. And if they're not nice, I will just kick them out. And then- <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's your party, not theirs. 
listeners. Something to go back to something you mentioned about, you know, being on the cruise and editing video. I, I, I wanted to understand, like, has having the blog and the channel changed how you cruise? Um, to an extent, but in a in a good way. So now if I go on certain cruises, sometimes cruise lines will give me things like specialty meals and invite me to things that I would have I would have never paid for, honestly. So I get to experience a lot of things that I I would never have done before. So I did a cooking class with a celebrity chef on a piano cruise and I, I have no interest in cooking, celebrity chefs. I'm awful at this stuff, but I had so much fun and it kind of gives me it just gives me knowledge on things that I wouldn't have done before. Of course, I feel like I'm always on the lookout and I'm always kind of re- trying to remember things and remember the names of stuff, which I probably wouldn't have done before. But if anything, it makes me appreciate it more because I'm, you know, trying to take it all in all the time. Are there any videos, posts that you've made that you look back on and you're like, God, that was one of my favorites. I, I will say one of my favorites was your one on Virgin, actually, since you brought it up. I thought it was just, I thought that was a brilliant video and I, I left going, well, my interest in sailing on Virgin has has waned greatly. Um, <laughs> But, but but I'm curious, like what do you have any favorites out there? I think the Virgin one is one of my favorites because I was quite proud of myself for that because it, it put me in a really strange and difficult situation because I was invited on that cruise by Virgin, who I knew the people that worked there really liked them. They're lovely, didn't want to annoy them. But I had to make a decision and decided to just not lie to people. There's plenty of things about that ship that I really love, but there's some things I just thought this isn't right. They haven't thought about this. The video itself, I mean, I scripted it. I never script my videos. I made sure I had good points in there and bad points. And I had loads of video and B-roll and sounds and stuff. So I'm quite proud of that video. I've put out some recently about the future of cruising which have have done quite well i'm i'm not interested in kind of the cruise news that says this this may happen this may not happen at some point someone said this or you know vague speculation i i just can't be bothered with it i don't watch those things so i'm not going to make them but i have just put out a video yesterday about the new guidelines that we've had here in the eu about cruising and i think they'll probably copy them the American cruise lines, but some things they say are quite extreme. So they've said things like, you're not going to be able to share a hot tub with people who aren't from your party or cabin, which suits me fine. I don't want to share a hot tub with strangers. <laughs> and they're saying no more table sharing. They're saying don't use the elevators. If you have to use an elevator, you have to wear a mask, things like that. So that video yesterday, I filmed it on my lunch break. The good thing is I'm working from home at the moment. So in an hour lunch break, I spent 58 minutes recording. And then wow. in, the, in the evening, I managed to edit that. Normally, it takes me about 10 hours, but I did it in about three. The video is 27 minutes long, which is the longest video I've ever made about anything. But it was based off 49 pages of EU guidance. So I'd prefer to watch the video, read that again. Emma, I'm curious, you raised the COVID guidelines. Like, what, what, What's your prognostication on what cruising will look like post-COVID? I think it's just going to be keeping a distance from people where you, you can, cleaning more if that is possible. I know cruise lines clean everything so much, but they're going to clean things more. I think they're going to try and you know limit people in certain venues. Maybe they'll move apart some of the tables in the dining rooms that are ridiculously close together on some cruise lines. They're saying some things like reducing the capacity of the cruise ships, which I don't, I can't see business-wise the cruise line's actually doing. I feel like they're going to try and adapt as much as they can. But by the time we actually cruise again, these things could be completely relaxed. Some things I think are just not practical. They've said things like keeping 1.5 meters away from everybody else if you're in the casino. Mm. How you 
play roulette or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, you have to sit next to people, don't you? So stuff yeah. like that. I'm not sure how that's going to work in reality. And some cruise ships are so busy. I don't know how you can keep that far away from people, but only time will tell. I think, I mean, cruise ships are already so hygienic and I already feel so safe on cruise ships. I know they've had a lot of bad press recently. We had a horrible TV show here in the UK yesterday about, you know, how cruise ships spread coronavirus around the world. And it was just absolute, it was just, just lies, sensationalist <laughs> lies. Yeah. Um, but they, they had so much bad press recently and I don't think people realize you know the crew live on the cruise ship it's in their interest for them to keep it clean so there's the cleanest places you're ever going to be i think if i i get the train to work no one's cleaned the ticket machine or the buttons on the train probably forever so i i feel a lot safer on cruise ships than just generally my office to be honest yeah i think you're right about that i I feel safer on the crew and the spaces i will say like i think the i think the one place on the cruise ship that is the breeding ground for illness is the buffet because i just don't think people like at Disney, they have people stationed at the door to make you wash your hands or use a wipe. And you still see people who blow by and just don't blow by. And it's like, just come on, like wash your hands. <laughs> and then, you know, you don't think about it. But as you go down the buffet and you're picking out all of your food, OK, before you eat your food, wash your hands again. Right. Like, yeah, because you, just- you touched all the tongs and yeah. serving trays. And I do think self-serve buffets may be a thing of the past. Even if they have buffets, they may have it where you have to be served by a crew member. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, they'll probably just end up kind of turning the tongs around and then you ask for what you want Mm -hmm. or they bring it to you. But things like they want to get rid of things like the, if you've got salt or ketchup or, you know, reusable bottles, they want to go back to little sachets, which oh. kind of seems like a shame when we've spent so long getting away from the plastic sachets <laughs> to go back. But uh, that's one thing they've said. And they have, yeah, they've said that if possible, food should be kind of pre-wrapped. So if you get like a pre-wrapped sandwich or a a grab-and-go pasta or something, that's the ideal option. So it may be that they kind of, they cook and they portion out and put food down ready to to grab-and-go and then you don't have to touch the tongs. But I think buffets as we know it are, are kind of gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, to your point, I think that we'll see a lot more waste with using saran wrap and using those like the little ketchup packets and things like that. We'll see a lot more waste because of that. So, Emma, what's what's next for you in terms of cruising, the blog, the vlog? I know you've got a new course that you just put out. What's next for you? Well, if you'd asked me that, I don't know. Six months ago, it'd be very different from now. I had a fantastic 2020 lined up. I was supposed to be on the new celebrity ship, a new saga ship. I was supposed to have a 90s themed cruise in September, which has just been cancelled, oh. which I'm very obsessed about. So at the moment, my next cruise is in is in January. It is a P&O cruise to the Canary Islands. And I'm hoping by January, things will be a bit more normal. At least I think as soon as cruises do start, I am quite close to Southampton. I can get there in a few hours. So I, if cruises start tomorrow, probably I'll book a mini cruise or something to try out all of this new stuff and kind of report back to everybody, I think. But going forward, I mean, I don't, I never really had a plan for any of this. So I'm kind of just taking every opportunity as it comes and saying yes to things and see where it takes me. And so far it's worked out pretty well. So I'm going to carry on with that. I did release a course because I want to be able to help people more than I have time to help people right now. And I speak to a lot of people who kind of need, you know, a process. I'm very much a budget cruiser. I cruise very cheaply to cruise as much as I do. I'd prefer to cruise, you know, inside cabins and not spend money on things that you don't need to spend money on. So I, I made a course, which is 
a process through booking a cruise and going on a cruise that talks about mostly money saving because that's how I cruise so much. So that's fantastic. Now I have that. That's kind of a good place for me to to send people when I don't have enough time to. I wish I could spend forever talking to everybody one on one, but I can't. I really can't. So yeah, very happy. Well, you're you're a victim of your own success in that regard. So <laughs> people want to hear from you and and hear more about cruising. So it's, it's kudos to you for doing what you've done for sure. Well, so we always save the last bit of our show for a rapid fire round. It's Sam's favorite part of the show, so I'll let her lead the rapid fire. It's got one or two Disney questions in there because we're a Disney focused podcast, but uh, the rest are just more general cruising. So Sam, you want to do the rapid fire? Yeah. So Emma, this rapid fire round is basically questions that are about your personal favorites. And so okay. there are no wrong answers unless we really disagree with you. <laughs> I have been itching to use the wrong answer sound effect forever. So, <laughs> so we'll start with the first, the first two questions are Disney related and then the rest are just general kind of general cruise questions. So who is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? Dory from Finding Nemo. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great one. <laughs> okay, then that moves us on to your favorite Disney or Pixar movie. Toy Story. Love Toy Story. Can I have Toy Story. Yeah, I love Toy Story. Yeah, it's great. Cool. Makes me cry. All the Toy Story movies make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your favorite cruise line. I know it's hard to pick one, but if you gave me money right now and I had to book a cruise right now, what would I book? Let's go with that because mm-hmm. that might help. Yeah, uh, Princess. I think. Oh, I like Princess. Okay, your favorite ship now? Uh, MSC Meraviglia. Your favorite onboard dining experience? Ooh, I'm a fan of some chicken wings in Oceans on Norwegian Cruise Line. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love that you pick chicken wings. We're a fan of chicken fingers from the buffet on the Disney cruises, so we can stop. <laughs> your favorite onboard activity? Normally just in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, if you want something more adrenaline filled, I, I like a, a ropes course, did a ropes course on the MSC cruise ships in January. It was freezing and it was so windy, but that was fun. Yeah. And that's all free. So that's good. I, I, I have a hard time imagining some of these things on cruise ships, like ropes courses. People, yeah. have asked, people have asked about putting like a, a roller coaster on a cr- cruise ship. And I'm like, if you're already seasick, do you really want to get on a roller coaster? <laughs> I, I, yeah. So <laughs> I like. When you're in the pub, though, do you play trivia or no trivia? I do play trivia, yeah. But sometimes I have to admit, I will. My answers are so bad, I'll never hand them in, and I'll just deny that I was playing. <laughs> awesome. Your favorite port? I like to cruise from Barcelona because it is so easy to get to. There's so much to see there, mm-hmm. and the center of Barcelona is very close to the cruise port, which makes it very easy. Your favorite itinerary? Maybe a generic Mediterranean loop cruise that kind of goes to like Rome, Malta, um, places like that, I think. And your this last question is number one bucket list cruise. Pacific Islands, I think. Oh, yeah. Any Anywhere kind of in the Pacific, because I have never been that way. In Australia, New Zealand, anything like that. That would be fantastic. So far away. Yeah, so that, we, we want to do that too. We want to do the uh, New Zealand, Australia. It, it's for us too. It's so far away. I, let me add one more, Emma, just really fast. Is there a ship that you haven't been on yet that you're just dying to get on? 
I think I need to do one of the big, big Royal Caribbean ships. I think I I really need to do that. So any of those ones. Yeah. yeah. There's so much on those I, ships. I'd be fascinated to hear your viewpoint on those because we haven't been on one either. And I'm always just a little tentative of like, it's so big. Yeah. It's so big. I want to do an escape room though on a ship. I think that's so cool. Okay, well, I'll lock you in our <laughs> stateroom next time and leave some clues and you can, you can phone me when you're ready to come out. Um, <laughs> Well, Emma, it has been just a blast having you on. Thank you so much for the, the the blog and the vlog. Do you want to let folks know just real quick where they can find you? Yeah. So I'm at cruisingisntjustforoldpeople.com. Or if you want to type in emmacruises.com, then you can do that and it will redirect you. And I'm Emma Cruises on YouTube. So they're the best places to find me. I'm active every single day of my life. So be good to talk to you. <laughs> and I will I will put in a plug for the YouTube channel as well. It's a really great YouTube channel. And that video for the Virgin Atlantic cruises, if you haven't, if, if you're if you're pondering, should I go on Virgin Atlantic? I would highly recommend taking a look at that video. And I think Jim Zim actually basically just did a watch of your video, sort of Mystery yeah. Science Theater 3000 style. <laughs> just said, let's hear her view on this. So <laughs> you, you left him speechless and he's a pretty big vlogger himself. So yeah. Yeah. So, and just to, and just to remind people, uh, Emma's cruise line blog is a, an award-winning blog. It won the wave award for the UK, uh, last year. Yeah. Which puts you on Paul Thornton's radar, which is how we found out about you. Well, thank you again, Emma, for coming on. We really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks for talking to me. Well, I don't know about the rest of you out there, but I am really jealous of Emma's cruising experience to be in her mid-20s and have cruised on over 30 different cruises, I think something like 30 ships, all the different cruise lines. She is just a wealth of experience and knowledge. Really encourage you to head over to check out her YouTube vlog and her blog at uh, cruisingisntjustforoldpeople.com. Both are great resources with information cutting across the various cruise lines. And, you know, Emma's just a very entertaining personality. So really loved having her on go check out her stuff with that we are still all caught up on our apple podcast five-star written reviews so none to read on the air this week but we are still as a reminder doing a giveaway for anyone who uh, leaves us a five-star written review over at apple podcast through the end of this month you'll be entered into a drawing to win signed copies of both volumes of cleaning the kingdom uh, we had lynn Barron on the show recently so if you want to learn more about that book head over and check out his episode on the of the podcast with that i do want to thank everyone for listening this week uh, again please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the dcl duo each week if you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dcl duo you can also head over to the dcl duo channel on youtube for even more great content including our dcl 101 video series which we've released the uh, first episode of on picking your disney cruise the dcl duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with disney cruise line the walt disney company or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have a question about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. Bye.